Welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, and today we're going to dive into the world of youth sports and speak with leaders who are making an impact in their communities. From coaches to program directors and beyond, we'll explore the latest trends, issues, and solutions in the world of youth sports. But before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics. Their game-changing team swag stores are designed to make youth and travel sports programs feel like the big leagues. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. All right, welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, founder of Signature Athletics. And today I've got special guest, Coach Cam, with me. Coach Cam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Dan. We're excited to have you on. So a little background on Coach Cam. Grew up in Maryland, played lax growing up from about the age of nine. Former D1 lacrosse player at Army. Had uh, an ankle injury, really blew out your whole ankle it sounded like and then ended up coaching um there while you were playing at our or while you were at army yeah and now fast forward you're coaching your daughter's lacrosse team and you're running the women's program up at uh hillard hilliard ohio youth lacrosse and up there in ohio so it's great to have you on the show did i get that all right yeah pretty much yeah hilliard um yeah i I, uh grew up in maryland joke was always after you could walk they hand you your stick and started a little bit later for me, but, um, yeah, I fell in love with the game early and I, uh, that thankfully was able to kind of turn it into a college career for a little bit and then way too many ankle injuries and surgery. And then was like, Oh crap, I got to do something. And so I got to coach, which was nice. So that, that sort of got me into coaching. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I played it up at St. John's in Queens, New York. And our first fall ball scrimmage was, uh, against army. And I remember going up there and just what a beautiful, I mean, it looks like Hogwarts. It's amazing. You know, I always say it's a nice place to be from when you're there. It's not quite as attractive, but it's, uh, it's a hell of a school. And and I was very fortunate to be able to go there. And there's no question that without lacrosse, I probably wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a tough school. Um, That's for sure. I remember the first time we went out for a fall ball scrimmage, um, we were looking at it as this is our job. This is full time. This is work. And we walk out on the field and these guys are just all elated. Like they're just this is their fun. This is their playground. They have to run 10 miles every morning and and do all the, the stuff that um, we look at as work. They look at it as fun. So I remember it was a it was the first time it was my first uh, college game, too. So I remember just walking out there and the guys at army too are they're freaking men <laughs> it's like unbelievable didn't always feel that way but yeah i mean there, it's it takes a little bit of a different animal to to go to one of the academies for sure i don't know how the heck i got there but uh i'm definitely glad i did and yeah there, the nice thing for me as an older guy is seeing how good they are now you know that that's the beauty of it i used to play for them and people were like holy crap i'm like yeah we weren't that good but it's it's nice to pretend yeah and i mean it takes it takes years and years to build a program and there's those foundational teams that are so important to being able to build a successful organization so i'm sure that uh you and your your group were a big part of that yeah so. so what was your sport growing up 
what got you into it sounds like lacrosse up in maryland um and then what did how did what was kind of your signature moment that really like grabbed you into sports and made you really um buy into the point where you're still involved this many years later yeah so it's the funny thing is is like i was the younger brother so i had to play whatever my brother played because that's you know my mom was driving us to wherever and so i played football wrestling and baseball and i hated all three of them because i was one of those like crazy active running around kids and so then I switched to soccer, basketball, and I kept, I wanted to play lacrosse, but my parents didn't know anything about it. And so I had to talk my brother into it and thank God. I mean, he, the man's my hero, but back then he was a pretty good baseball player and I, I, I was terrible. And so I talked him into playing, which, you know, I think worked out for him. He played at UMBC. Um, uh, but, that's good. But I mean, for me, you know, playing lots of sports growing up, lacrosse was like the ultimate combination of all the things you liked about other sports. It was like the normal flow of like a basketball game with fast breaks and everything, but you could still bump each other pretty hard, um, high scoring. So it was exciting. Um, and then, you know, so just, but honestly, it was playing against my brother. You know, he was four years older than me. And so, we're the only two kids in the neighborhood who really, really played and we would just battle and it was intense and sometimes fun. And sometimes my parents had a rule. We weren't allowed to use our sticks to hit each other except like legally, but you know, it was, those battles were, I think what sort of turned me into the player I am or was definitely not am anymore. Um, And hopefully helped him out a little bit, but you know, I, I would say the biggest moment for me was um, when I was probably going into, you know, like when you're in middle school, you kind of switch from just a wreck to now you really want to play and win. And we had a coach who he had a line. He said, this is all about having fun, but let's not BS each other. Winning is fun and we want to win. And so we're going to work to win. And he had always had a line. When you step across the line, we're going to get better. And that's one of those things that stuck with me. And it's something I've used as a coach so many times. You're off getting drinks of water. You can have fun with your friends, be goofy. But as soon as you cross that line, it's go time. That was what really, you know, you played for fun. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, I want to play to get good. And I want to play and I want to win. And that that kind of drove that competitive nature in me. Um, And really we had, we had a group of kids that was just, I mean, the kids that from our school, I mean, from our little league team that went to college was pretty damn impressive, but um, it really kind of started there just because we all pushed each other and we all loved it. That was the other thing. Yeah. You, you know, you're playing your butt off, but you're, but you love every second of it. Practice became hard fun, you know? Yeah. That's so cool. And I think that's, that's one of those real, those real moments where passion is instilled and, I think for some guys and some gals, it's it's a passion for being a teammate. Um, for for you, it sounds like it was being a competitor. As a fellow younger brother, I can very very much relate. Um, my mom and, and they did. She did not actually uh, set up that rule that you couldn't use sticks. So <laughs> unfortunately, as a little brother, I got I got the beatings pretty bad. But um, well, we we could hit each other when we were playing. We just couldn't do it like out of anger. Like yeah. you could use your stick as a weapon. Yeah, I we, wish. We pushed wish. that we pushed that line a bit. But. Yeah. I have um some painful memories of uh being on the other end of that. But um the funniest is um my dad would just get he just got so fed up, he just spray painted a circle in the yard and he said, You guys can't get out of it until 
And that was it. And we were just like, all right. And we just my parents, parents would just sit on the porch and I think they would, you know, I'm not sure, but if I was them, I would have been having a beer or something and doing it because it was entertaining. Because we would yeah, really helmet and gloves and just get after it. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely I very much relate. I and I tell my brother all the time, I wouldn't have been nearly the athlete I am without him. And just being able to go out in the yard and compete or go find a wall and, and make up some BS game and create all the rules. And then there's a winner, there's a loser. It usually ends up in a fight with some blood, but it's always fun and it's always a competition. And I, to this day, when my brother comes now and visits my wife and I, she's like annoyed because we're in the yard doing something like we're children again. So, yeah, I'm with you. There's no... Without Jake, I wouldn't have been anywhere near the player I was. And the fun thing now is like both his daughter plays, my daughter plays. And so we talk about girls across, which is kind of funny. Um, But then we still like we do it while playing catch, you know, like two guys just slinging the ball back and forth. Nothing like it. Good old good old game of catch. Um, So how did you end up getting involved in Hilliard Youth uh, Lacrosse up there in Ohio? Yeah. So, um, for work, work moved me from Colorado to Ohio. And, you know, I think it was like 2000, we moved late 18. So into 2019, I I went to a meeting just to see, all right, what's this program all about? And secretly I was kind of trying to figure out whether or not I wanted my daughter to play there. And I met this woman and she immediately volunteered me for stuff. And so then it was like, okay, she was going to handle all the sort of admin stuff and I was going to handle the program stuff. And it was my dream was always like when my daughter said she wanted to play, I was secretly hoping that I could be like her stick skills coach and then rely. And I had a friend who she played at Ohio state and she was going to coach with me. And then when COVID hit, she moved to North Carolina and I was like, Oh crap, I got to learn all the rules. Um, Cause they're very different. Um, yeah. And, and for our listeners that aren't, uh, don't have a lacrosse background because we have all different sports, all different program directors that that listen in. Um, the girls' game of lacrosse is substantially different in in terms of rules than the boys' game of lacrosse. And when even to the to the level of strategy, there's there's seven offensive players on the D, on the girls' game, and there's only six in the boys' game. So everything really changes. Uh, when you're coaching girls versus boys, other than the stick skills, which naturally made sense um, until you were kind of pushed into everything, huh? Oh yeah, it's a, but it it became fun. You know, I found myself watching a whole you know a lot more college games, and you started to realize that there are some similarities. There's certain basic flow of the game, and so that part was fun. But then yeah, it became okay. How do I build? Because I mean, when I started, so you know, forget the COVID year, we had like one practice and then everything got shut down. So going into the following year and that first year that I started, we barely had enough kids to make, we didn't know if we were going to have a team. And so then it was like, okay, how do we get more kids? And then how do we make a program out of it? So, you know, I, I, that's when we started doing clinics all over the place. We tried to get, like once things started relaxing after COVID, no, I was pretty good timing wise. But ultimately, that following year, lacrosse was like the first sport that was like, you know, wide open. Everybody could open do it. again. Yeah. Because um, they didn't know how to govern it. And so yeah. we, had, we had all these parents. I mean, I, I still talk to this one woman who her daughter loves it. But for like half the season, her mom still called it field hockey. I'm like, Krista, it's lacrosse. It's, it's <laughs> lacrosse. But, um, but you know, it, and so we, we, we focused on recruiting and trying to get kids excited about the sport and parents honestly it was so nice because 
parents just threw their kids into these things because they wanted them to get out and do stuff. Yeah. And that's when we were like, we started this idea of like, how do we create lacrosse addicts? You know, like anybody who's played lacrosse forever, you know, there's like this addiction level that kicks in. And, um, you know, I had these high school girls that were amazing. And so I would leverage the heck out of them and just get them involved in everything we could. But really once I got into the program, the fun part for me was obviously learning all the girl stuff, but also our program was so heavily weighted towards the boys. Here I am, you know, a guy in Ohio, nobody else on the board is like any lacrosse experience. And I'm like, I don't give a crap about this. I'm, I'm running the girls program. And so we're going to make it awesome. <laughs> that is, really, that's, that's, that's what pretty got me hooked. That is such a great story. And, uh, to navigate that that COVID season and then to be able to bounce back and still have that level of enthusiasm, I think that was really what it took for, for programs to be able to bounce out back was having that enthusiastic leader that could, could get people going and get people out there. And it ended up being a real net positive for a lot of programs that were able to Sure. To get out early, you know. So yeah, coming uh, coming out of COVID, like that first season afterwards, you know, we barely had a team before COVID hit, and then coming out, we had two teams at each level, and so you know, that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and then we started getting nervous, like oh crap, you know, we're going to need more coaches, we're going to need more of this, and those are good problems to have, and we you know we navigated them, but uh, it was uh, it was definitely awesome to kind of see. That my thing was as we got kids into free clinics, I wanted to translate them from free clinic to actually play, you know, not just my parents wanted yeah. me for five days. And so, um, it, that was, that's where you get, you know, fundamentals are important. They can also be boring. So you come up with all kinds of crazy games just to get little kids. Oh yeah. Excited. Sharks and, in my nose, hungry hippos. Oh, I, I know them all. They're so much fun. I was gonna so say, my, the kids loved it because I used to bring giant coolers full of freezing water, water balloons, just for like passing and catching. And, you know, like every practice, you bring the water balloons. I'm like, I don't know. You have to find out at the end of practice. And so that was always, you know, that's so funny. That yeah. is so funny. So this is a really good segue though. Um, so the whole purpose of the, the signature grow the game podcast is really to bottle up those one to three big needle moving ideas that helped you grow the, the girl side of this program from one team to two teams at every age group. And I think a lot of our listeners would love to get uh, some of those secret sauces that you use to, to kind of do that. It sounds like the free clinics were a really big part of it. Um, and then activating the high school girls, it sounds like that was a big part of it. Oh, yeah. um, I'd love to dive for you to dive a little bit deeper and just share some of those um, some of those big needle moving ideas. Yeah. So first, you know, Hilliard, like I said, it's not the hotbed of lacrosse in oh, central Ohio. So, you know, we were competing with other sports. And so you've got soccer clubs everywhere, which are a whole different podcast, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, you're, we had to get these kids excited. And when you take a six-year-old girl and a junior in high school, they look up to that kid. They, they look up to that high, I'd say kid. They look up yeah. to that high schooler. Like, that's their hero. And, you know, and I would talk to all high schoolers. I'm like, listen, if you're having a bad day, fake it these kids just want energy they want to see you excited you love this sport you work your butt off in the sport this is your chance to kind of you know help us grow it to the next stage and i said and i would sit them down and like listen 
you have a tremendous responsibility because these kids will look up at look up at you as heroes. If you're off on the side, you know, not paying attention, looking at your phone, they're going to pick up on it. But if you're engaged and you're talking to them during water breaks and you just engage with these kids, and it was it was remarkable to see like how excited kids were when they would show up I and mean, they would get there and they would run over to where the high school girls were. And, um, yeah, it was super awesome. That um, is so amazing. I mean, just the, the, the ability that you have, and I think this can't be overstated is, is to it, to really set the expectation with those high schoolers and really you taking that, that moment to coach them up and empower them to be, the inspiration that that you knew they had the opportunity to be and how much that benefits not just the little girls that are looking up to the big sisters but also those big sisters that are in high school that are now learning leadership skills learning communication learning about uh, how, how impactful enthusiasm is just bringing the energy that's um and for other program de- directors i mean this is your program so like you know, honestly, most of the high schoolers I had were amazing. I mean, there's two, I always think of three of them. If they ever hear this, Carissa was my favorite of all time. Bella was amazing. And, and Aberly were amazing. And there were a couple that, you know, I politely asked, Hey, look, if, if you don't want to be all into this, that's totally fine. Don't come next week. You know, yeah. I, I want you here. I want you to be a part of this, but if you're not into it or if you're not feeling it, cause you just came from work, whatever, it's totally fine. But this is what I'm trying to do, and this is what I need from you. And yeah. and some of those girls came back the next week, and they were rock stars. And other ones never came back, and that's totally fine. Um, but I think you can't you can't undervalue just overall enthusiasm. Um, making it fun for kids. If you're going out there and just jumping right into drills and not making, you know, be energetic, be funny, play music, you know, do goofy stuff. Just like we had a, we had one in the fall and it was like a costume day and there's my big fat butt wearing like a, uh, what's that Lilo and stitch costume. (laughs) And it was just, but I mean, that was the thing is like the the kids, and that was my hook to try to get the little kids. Now, when they got to my team, they knew I had a slightly different expectation, but you know, in that clinic sense, I wanted those new kids to have a ball. And then, so that was, that was one of the big hooks is really kind of the free clinics and then leveraging the, the community and the, the teams and the girls who have sort of been there before. Um, the other thing that, and this sort of, you know, to give you guys sort of a plug, when I got into the girl side, you come from the guys game, back in the day, we had to like work our sticks in and everything. Now you can just string it up and it's ready to go immediately. Yeah. Um, girl sticks are a little bit different. And so parents who their kids have never tried it, they would go to, you know, play it against sports and nothing against them, but they would buy the cheapest stick they could because they weren't sure if their kid was going to like it. And these sticks were terrible. And they're like playing with a frying pan. Yeah. And so I'm like, your kid's not liking it because they can't gain the confidence. And so that's when I started doing like a ton of research on sticks. I learned how to string girl sticks, mesh and traditional and, you know, all the different runners and all that kind of stuff. But then I found this company that like out of the box had like a, I want to say it was like 60 bucks, maybe whatever, like the beginner stick. And I'm like, I would tell parents before we had a relationship with signature, I would say, look, buy this stick. And if your kid doesn't want to keep playing, I'll give you 30 bucks for it at the end of the season. 
because then I could use it for the next kid. Yeah, that's uh, incredible. And we appreciate the plug. That is an amazing, uh, amazing plug. But my wife didn't love the deal, but I, I, I was so passionate yeah. because you know you'd see these kids and you're like, here, try it with my stick. And you know, I used to use a girl stick because I figure if I can't use it, I can't teach it. Um, love that. I love so that. I would, they'd let them use my stick, and like all of a sudden, cradling became doable. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, that's the extra 20 bucks. That's what you get. And so, yeah. And I, I, I think I, I mean, I really appreciate that. And I really resonate with that. I, I personally developed uh, our stick line and it took four back and forth trips to, to China. I spent 30 days at a time. I took, we taught the factories how to pass, how to catch. We built the whole quality management system there. But um, what it really, like what prompted that was, I've coached for the last 15 years. Most of the time I'm coaching U8, U10. I'm doing a lot of free clinics. And I saw the same thing you saw. The sport's hard enough as it is to learn. You got foot eye, you got hand eye coordination. The only other sports that have that are really like hockey and field hockey. And so now on top of that, you're going to give them a stick that I played division one, you played division one. We can't throw with it. If we can't throw with it, how are we expecting this brand new kid to throw with it? And then the kid picks it up and they think they're not good at the sport. And it's like, right. no, a division one player couldn't use that stick. So it was just such a, dis- it looked like such an obvious problem in the whole market. And it's the fastest growing sport. But when we actually looked at like net retention of first year players to second year players, 100%. It is the largest drop off in any sport. And so we really, our thesis was if we build a great complete stick that comes game ready right off the shelf, regardless, making money, not making money. Let's make sure that like it's a product that a kid can have a great experience playing the sport with. So I really, really appreciate the uh, acknowledgement. Well, every everything you just said is exactly, I mean, I became fanatical and it was, you know, I still get parents like texting me, you know, like your kids in middle school or high school, like, Hey, I'm looking at this stick. What should I, what should I do? And you know, that I, I even, I sent like a letter to some of the, I know I won't mention their names, but I sent a letter to a couple of the big, the big guys out there and saying, look, you just dropped a 275, $250 stick. Your kids at this level need a better than a $49 piece of crap that you have. And, you know, find something that works for them. And then I would even like, I said, look at Signature, look at String King. Like these guys are targeting and they're building lifelong customers. And anyway, I won't. It's an industry change that I think we can set the example, we can lead the way and, and others will follow or they'll get displaced. So I think it's good for the sport and, and we're just happy to be able to deliver a great product. But back to the to the needle moving idea. So yeah. part of the Signature. Great plug. Love that. Um, the free clinics, I mean, in the way that you activated the high school girls and coached them up to go out there and bring the energy, I think that is brilliant. Um, and then what what was some of the other things that that kind of helped you guys go from one team to, to two teams? Was it being more aggressive on, on getting kids out to the fields post-COVID? Was it like, was there marketing that you guys did? What was yeah. the, what really drove that giant jump? So we, we did, a, I would say, I don't know if we officially call it marketing, but we did a lot of marketing. And we did everything from just, you know, the free clinics that we talked about, we, we, we would do, we'd put posters up in the schools. We would talk to the schools about maybe, you know, the after school programs. Can we get it in the after school programs? Um, but then the other part was just, you know, 
we had the first year after COVID, we were going with like a local uniform company. And so you could get, you had like two weeks to order all your stuff and everybody got a, like a reversible little mesh pennies that like we all got for, you know, practice. Yeah. Um, and they were crappy and nobody got to pick their number. And I was like, we need something like cool. Like I wanted, I wanted it to be cool. I wanted kids to want to wear their stuff everywhere because then they become, you know, you know, that kid's cool and he's wearing a Hillary lacrosse shirt. They got to check out Hillary lacrosse. And walking so, boards it's yeah, amazing and so that's when you know i, I met brian because i was asking some questions about sticks and a couple other things and he was like hey have you heard of our program and so we started talking about it and you know our our technically our name is hilliard optimus youth lacrosse which is not cool on a shirt it just isn't and so we're like okay we have one high school that's royal blue and white we have one that's royal blue and black we have one that's light blue and black and i was like let's create an h that work for everybody, but it's for us. Like, and so what we did is, and, and I worked with, I think the official way I said it was, I grew up in Maryland. So I was a Hopkins fan. And I said, I wanted to be as close to the H for Hopkins without getting us in trouble. And so yeah. we, came up with, we came up with a pretty cool H that I, I still love. Um, but what was cool was you had high school girls who were helping us out and they were like, where can I get a shirt like that? And I was like, here's the website. So great to hear. I mean, it's just, and I think what you did that is, is really unique. And I think a lot of our listeners could really take from this is you looked at the identity of the youth program objectively, and you didn't, you weren't married to it. And you said, this isn't cool. It just isn't. Let's make it cool. And then to take that additional step to say, what's the identity of the three programs that we feed into and how can we create a universal identity that everyone can kind of relate to, but it's not specific to one school. Yeah, we, that was, that was the fun. That was the tricky part just because, you know, the rivalries. And so you got to make sure that this one's yeah. too, too royal. It needs to be this. I'm like, all right, calm down. I'm trying to can't make everybody happy here and it's ours. And yes, you can have one. So, you know, that's awesome. That was, awesome. was like, you know, I started seeing parents who didn't have any kids in the little league and they didn't have them in the time that we had, you know, our partnership with Signature. And, you know, I'd see like they got stickers for the back of their cars and it wasn't the high school sticker. It was our sticker. And I was like, hell yeah. And so that that's what kind of made it. I called it my like guerrilla marketing tactic because I was just going to flood the market with all this cool gear. Um, but I, you know, I remember one of our board meetings, we had like this guy who's super great with numbers and he's passionate and he and I had like a, John and I had a heated debate and I'll tell the story and he can hear it too. He was like, do they really care about numbers? And I'm like, I was like, Oregon has 85 million uniform combinations and kids love it. Yeah. I was like, my email has a 14 in it because that was the number I wore in college. Yes. Numbers matter. And so he, and he came around and like, he was one of the first people to buy uniforms for his kids. Yeah, It was pretty awesome. Um, but but yeah. that, it, it feels again, like you're hitting on that identity and, and I, I relate completely. Every one of our email signatures at signature lacrosse um, have our number, our college or our high school number in the signature email address. So awesome. I completely relate our, our, um, I should, I mean, my phone code is eight, 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 eight. Cause my number was eight. So, I mean, you really do. And every time my brother's number was seven, every time the number seven comes up in any conversation, he goes, not a bad number. 
<laughs> I, was gonna say, I think my mom's like email is my brother's number and my number. So, I mean, it, it, that is awesome. They get identities into it too. So yeah, having that identity was, was important. And it, it, the nice thing is to see it grow and, and, you know, certainly coming out of COVID, obviously there were challenges, but what you guys did to kind of fight through it, I think speaks to what you guys are trying to do. And, and it really, for me, it, it helped me grow the game in my area. And that was the most important thing is me with me is finding partners who are going to help me with what I was trying to do because I'm selfish and I wanted, it was all about me. Um, but that was, you know, yeah. as we went through those struggles, you know, Brian was on the phone with me all the time and I don't know if anybody doesn't know Brian, he's awesome. Um, but he, he was super helpful and attentive and, you know, it was what it was. I mean, the business I was in outside of lacrosse, we were dealing with the same things. And so I was totally understanding yeah. that. I'm like, dude, our game's coming up in three weeks. He goes, we're working. We got it. You know, we've got this, we got it. And so for me, you, 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 you made me a lifetime customer. Really, really appreciate that. And um, a little uh, shameless plug here for Brian Bone, um, our sales lead. He is just an incredible guy. And um, I think it's, he speaks to the intent of our entire team and going through COVID. One of, one of our big theses as a company was let's, let's, uh, nearshore production, let's domesticate production and let's use U.S. manufacturers so that we can be able to produce on demand, deliver on demand through COVID, through any turmoil and in international affairs. That shouldn't be stopping us from serving from a local factory, serving a local program. And our technology solution really solves for that and helps empower these, these factories to be able to do that. So it's great to hear that it worked through one of the most challenging times. Um, but yeah, it's not without um, yeah. a lot of effort on the, the inside. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the, the last biggest thing that, that I would tell programs that are, are looking to grow is you, you got to have a good core of, you know, there, some of them are be parents and they'll just help. You know, I had a parent who was like, look, I know nothing about lacrosse, but if you need me to like move cones, or if you need me to shag balls, I'll do it all day. And I was like, 100%. And I would show up with my paper and say, this is what I need. This is my drill plan for today. And I need you to put these cones out as we go through. And he was there every practice putting out cones. Um, but finding those parents who are, you know, some programs are going to be naturally gifted with a ton of lacrosse players in the area. And then you're, there's a bunch of us who are trying to grow programs that don't have a ton of lacrosse people in the area. So it's like, how do I, you know, if you've got the knowledge, build a program, build a plan that you can almost hand to somebody, you know, and use every YouTube video out there to explain stuff. But yeah. if you know your stuff, build the plan and then get people who are willing to just give it a shot. And I, I was very fortunate to have so many parents who stepped up and helped in any way they could. You know, we had the team mom who's going to coordinate, who's bringing snacks and all that kind of good stuff. But I had parents who were like, again, I, I, my wife played a little bit. I played a little bit, but I don't know anything. And I was like, that's all right. I'll take you, and, you know, and yeah. what I need you to do. It, take, um, it really takes a village and, and it, it takes being able to reach out and ask for help too. And, and being able to inspire community to want to help. And I think a lot of times there's a culture shift that has to happen. And it, and it usually starts at the top, but the leadership and it it seems like you were able to really cultivate that through the free clinics through getting the high school girls involved and by the time the program went from one team to, to two teams in every age group there was a whole culture and a whole 
inspirational uh, movement behind it that people wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And and I, I, the coolest thing, you know, this last weekend, there was a big tournament and to see the parents who have become, you know, their kids go to different schools, so they wouldn't naturally run into each other, but through lacrosse, you know, my daughter had a play and this mom showed up with three different girls from her team, all go to different schools, all showed up to my daughter's play. And it was like, these parents come together, these kids come together and it just builds it's, you know, lacrosse is a different animal. It's a different community. And if you can get, again, not bag on soccer too much, but there was like a season and a half where I didn't know any of the parents' names. And it was like, all right, if we're going to get, if we're going to hang out every freaking weekend, we should get to know each other. And lacrosse, I didn't have to do that. It was just, you know, parents hung out at practices. They didn't like, you know, there weren't a whole lot of drop-off parents. There were a whole lot that were staying and watching and, you know, I would explain rules every once in a while, just say, yeah. hey, don't yell the refs. This is what's going on. Yeah. Um, but the community aspect is is yeah. so important. And uh it really takes a village at the end of the day. It's um, but it takes leadership, I think, at the top. And I think cultivating that enthusiasm and that culture is um it's something that the area is lucky to have a guy like you. Well, and and I cannot do this without Jen Albright, who ran our women's program forever and luckily volunteered me a few years ago and changed my life for the good. And That's so her, daughters, awesome. her daughters are long since out of the program and she's still like, she's awesome. And without her, our program wouldn't be what it is because she did so much work. And, but just, like I said, finding the, the right people, getting that enthusiasm going, it, it, it really does wonders. Yeah. Well, Coach Cam, that is uh, an amazing story and some amazing advice for, for all of our listeners. Where can uh, where can everybody stay in touch with you with the program and follow along on the journey? Yes, I mean HilliardOptimist.org is is our website. You know, I'm Jarcam14 because like we talked about the number. That's my my uh, Instagram handle. Um, I forgot the Hoyle one. It's oh, it's Hoyle Lex H O Y. Where to go? H O Y L L A X. Perfect. Uh, so you're not We'll drop all these in the show notes too, so everybody can uh, can click through it and have a listen. But Coach Kim, thank you so much for what you're doing in the area and for what you're doing for these girls. It's just it's so important that we have people in the community building and giving these opportunities to the next generation of athletes. So uh, you're really paying it forward, and we we can't tell you how how proud we are to be uh, a partner with you guys and to be able to support and play a small role. Yeah. And like, you know, you know, this as well as I do that, you know, this game's given us a whole lot. And my hope is that I can give it to somebody else to, to, you know, I I can't, I can tie so many things of my life back to something that happened in lacrosse and, you know, whether it's going to college, whether it's playing, you know, for this team or that team, but now coaching and, and, you know, it's, it's such an awesome sport and I just, I appreciate what you guys are doing because I think you guys are doing it the right way and trying to really hook people in early and then giving them like beginner stuff and then super level stuff, which is awesome. So. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your, uh, your support and your love. So thank you so much for coming on the show and we look forward to uh, following along on the journey. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. We hope you found our conversation with our guest insightful and thought-provoking. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And of course, a big thanks to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics, for their continued support of this podcast 
and their dedication to making youth sports programs feel like the big leagues. Be sure to check out their game-changing Team Swag stores to elevate your program's look and feel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Signature Grow the Game podcast.